0: Greetings, ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this patch video for the web novel, First Contact, written by Ralts Bloodthorn, which is available on both Royal Road and HFY. The links for them will be down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. First Contact Chapter 38 Daxon was stuck if he left the system even long enough just to run a matter scoop through the intact gas giant, that would leave the Goliath free to lift free of the planet it was squatting on, glaring at him, and run again. The Overqueen would undoubtedly scramble its wake, preventing Daxon from taking it. If he stayed, he couldn't get close, but just past the scattering of crumbs of the inner asteroid belt, the Overqueen's psychic dominion overloaded with psychic shields, and his R-boys had to run back across the line. The remaining three planets were guarded by heavy shields heavy enough to absorb a plasma wave phased bore 50 meter cannon shot thick enough that it would even take a hit from the c plus 10 meter cannon he had even found that the asteroid the size of a skyscraper and slung shot it at the planet the planetary defense systems had destroyed it in almost a full light second from target The gas giants were wisps of vapor, the asteroid belt scattered crumbs of coalesced space dust, the Oort Cloud nothing more than memories, the outer planets and the inner planets crumbled and harvested till little remained but clumped up debris. Of the four planets remaining, they were all heavily defended, the moons reduced to dusty rings, the oceans largely siphoned away, the mountains there remained clustered with heavy manufacturing and defensive systems. The Goliath had settled on the planet furthest from the sun, hiding behind the shields, and Daxon had watched in helpless fury as the damage was repaired once more. The Overqueen joined by at least half a dozen lesser voices, kept trying to cajole him further into the system, surrender himself to her glory and majesty, and give in to the inevitable. Every time rage pushed him away, pushing away those voices, Daxon could remember the fields of dead. Tens of thousands of ruptured suits of armor, the burning ships falling into gravity wells, the bright actinic flares of the cities being wiped away, fighting the unyielding legions of the digital intelligence, slamming against the metal of the biosynth war machines, crashing against the unending armies of the clones, going metal first to alloy first against the cyborgs. He could remember all of it. The memories of the rage pushed the Overqueen's words away with a primal scream out from the R-boy as his ship was pulled around to get out of the range of the Overqueen's psychic assault. Every attempt of firing her ground-based batteries, even her orbital weapons at Daxon did nothing but result in frustration for the manted God Ruler. No CNV slug came close, and any directed energy weapons were either absorbed or dodged or turned aside. Any missile or torpedo was picked off by the point-defense systems. She had nothing else except a single Goliath who refused to put forth lesser machines for Daxon to rip apart and devour to appease the hunger of his expanded ship. One queen tried to force the Goliath to engage Daxon. The Goliath responded by lifting a few hundred meters off the surface of the planet, moving over to the hive and firing two CNV shots into it, followed by nearly an hour's worth of directional plasma lances. The surviving queens and the queen stopped trying to force the Goliath to do anything. The Goliath was pinned. If it tried to move into the inner planets, the Oberqueen might be able to overwhelm its thoughts with assisted by the queens. They had their own defenses, and he wasn't as agile as the annoying feral intelligence. He had the armor to absorb any blow the queens could send his way, but that would take up more resources to repair the damage. The vast storehouses and factories of this world, the great shipyards, were nearly depleted, and the Goliath had resorted to using his own machines to strip the factories of equipment, going so far as to pull the fiber optics and plumbing from the walls. If it had tried to make a run for it, that feral intelligence which had added it to its ship capabilities would continue to harry it. Yet It had only survived so far because it was an old and more heavily armored than the later versions with more redundancy built in. It had been built to fight the living, not the automated warships that came later. It knew that if it tried to run, that feral creature would never stop pounding it till one of them was destroyed and the self-preservation codes were still running hard. If it stayed, he did nothing but eke out a scant resources from the dead planet. He had sent his war machines into the hive of the dead queen, destroying the eggs and the hibernating mantid left, turning them into biological soup to be boiled to resin. He'd stripped the resin where he could, filling spaces with it, layering it over the craters to pull them in. He was stuck. He disliked it. His programming urged him to take offensive stance. To be proactive rather than reactive. Stuck between a feral intelligence and an ancient ruler of the ruining caste of the Hive. The great Overqueen was stuck. She had been stuck on this planet for eons. It was she who dominated in the shattered and stripped system. It was she who had defended it from the return of the servitors. She was too big to move on her own, but that was not what mattered. Her children were in stasis, packed in jelly. She could not spread to the stars. She could not search out cattle. The feeble cattle still within the world knew nothing of a touch. Their minds smooth and without fear or terror, just dim acceptance for a thousand generations. She was starving. The Goliath, bearing as whole numbers and having been built in the orbiting shipyards of her very home, refused her commands had killed one of her lesser queens, and had now stripping one of her planets of the very last scraps of useful material. Even the auto-harvesters for the fields that fed the cattle. It was the war machines that had entered the caverns of the cattle and slaughtered them and harvested the cattle and infrastructure that had supported them. It was a rebel, one of the ones who had sided against the queen during the Metal Rebellion, and it was of no help. The feral intelligence, that new spark of intellect that she had never tasted before, was so full of fury and rage that it curdled her stomach. It hated it in a way that she had never tasted, a mere touch of its hatred filling her mouth with blood and digestive juices. The last time she had come close enough to touch its mind, it had screamed and a biofeedback had been so intense that one of her eyes had exploded in a fountain of gore. The feral intelligence was of no help. It sought to kill either of the Overqueen or the Goliath. The three combatants stared at one another across the system, each attempting to figure out a way to counter the other two and have their goals come to fruition. So they stared at one another, glaring, thinking, computing. Only one had hope. Daxon knew better than to try another torpedo. The Goliath had surrounded him with a very small globe of trail of satellites that stayed in stealth and only exited to target any message torpedoes to knock them out. Daxon had begun to worry about how there were small machines that were oh, any wreckage, taking away any large pieces, forcing Daxon to shoot them apart before they could reach home. The Goliath was trying to figure out where Daxon was sending the torpedoes. Or worse, trying to reverse engineer the hyperdrives. Hyperdrive wasn't difficult if one had already mastered hull space or jump space. They were all related, and Daxon himself could pull up the formula that proved it, that linked the three together, as well as with the other types of drives. He thought vaguely of using a splinter drive, but that required a biological component further than a kitty kitty or a good boy. It wasn't used due to the progressive damage the parts of the brain had handled space-time, but Daxon was starting to get desperate. Several weeks ago, he had tried dropping a hunter-follower drones and jumping out, sitting on a few light hours away and waiting. The Goliath had been suspicious and combed the system carefully with scanners and a drone and probes until it found the hunter-follower drones. Daxon had jumped back in, straight into an ambush of small vessels. The Goliath had figured out that Daxon was gaining more resources by destroying the drones and running his mass collectors than he was expending on destroying them, so the Goliath had stopped bothering, shepherding its own resources. They were stuck in a strange, ever-shifting triangle, staring at one another. The Omni Queen had tried a few tricks that she had left, starting a psychic resonance between the lesser queens on the planet that the Goliath was squatting on. That had resulted in the Goliath killing the Overqueen on the planet. The Omniqueen only had a few more Overqueens left and it would take centuries to nurture a new queen to an Overqueen, so trying to gain one was out. A week after the feral intelligence had arrived, she had tried to focus, a directed burst of psychic energy that moved faster than light, but it had taken far too long to arrive. The feral able to discern the blast of psychic energy. She had nothing else. The three worlds still in her possession had been stripped of the resources. Between the Great War and the predecessors and keeping all those the true race alive, there was little left. Even water had been made by cracking stone and treading deep beneath the surface. Most of the geothermal wells were dead. The fusion and fission reactors cold and dead. Only the vast solar arrays and the solar pumps were providing the energy needed to run a few machines left. She... Without a jelly, she could produce more if she had the correct nutrients, but she lacked those. Even if she ate the cattle, physically ate them. The Omni-Queen thought long and hard, linking up with the overqueens, queens forcing them to link with the Queens and began considering what to do. The Lesser Queens squirmed, the linkage painful, but the Omni-Queen silenced them. It was the Goliath that had brought the feral intelligence. If the Goliath was destroyed or left, the feral intelligence would leave. The feral intelligence was too far and too alien to predict what would make it leave. But the Omni-Queen knew what would force the Goliath to leave. The Omni-Queen focused, reaching out of the mental tentacles, reaching deep into the planet of all the Goliath was on. The Over-Queen there was dead. The Lesser Queens had been denied jelly for aeons. The cattle there had been bred and bred and bred until their thoughts were smooth and bland. It didn't matter. The Omni Queen snuffed out the rebellious upbringings of the lesser queens and took their power as a road. She reached deep into the planet where the copper-iron core had been practically siphoned away, replaced with liquid rock. She began exerting pressure on the core, not much, just enough to push it off slightly, to make it dance in a certain resonance. She activated the shields over the planet, setting the shields to vibrating and shifting, rubbing against one another. Sliding over each other, all of them, slightly out of the perfect resonance. She reached out to the sun, to an ancient machine buried in the burning gases of the ancient star. In the phosphorus of the ancient sun, the stellar pump shifted its aiming point, going silent for a moment, letting the energy build up towards the maximum tolerances. The Goliath felt the trembling deep within its crust, reaching out with the seismographs and other scanners, and saw what was happening. The Omni Queen was trying to force the core to wobble. Not much, just a little. Throw everything off a tune. Give it a resonance. The Goliath ran the projections. She wasn't moving it much, just quickly eroding the pebble brushing against the hub. But the magnetic field was starting to shift, starting to twist. The Goliath quickly ran the computations and the magnetic twist. When the answer came, the Goliath fired off its engines, uncarrying that the massive jets of energy tore into the ground atomizing the earth and stone, driving through the crust into the magma. The magnetic's eye missed the Goliath's brain by mere ten miles, sweeping just after the strategic intelligence housing. Self-directed machines exploded, exterior computational arrays shattered or melted down. The Goliath cell vibrated and screamed as non-ferrous alloys were affected by the rapidly squeezing eye of the magnetic power. Off near where the gas giant had once been, Daxon saw the planet's magnetosphere suddenly go crazy. All the magnetic force being guided and squeezed, he saw what he, she was doing. His psychic scanners were going off the scale, as if she was directing a whole other psychic barrage. Daxon lit off his engines and slammed what had become the light cruiser towards the goliath at an angle to make a pass at the planet's head straight towards the Omni Queen's gravity well. He ordered his guns loaded with warshot, sent AVI's into the assault craft that he'd had the massive creation engines bake and arm them, and launched the craft one at a time to spread them out over a wedge with Daxon at the head. The Goliath answered the Omni Queen's assault with a barrage of his NCV cannons, whole hundreds of kilometers of cannons aiming at the shield above the Queen's hives, even as the twisting and ravening magnetic force sheared at half-section. All three combatants glared at one another, bringing their guns to bear, each of them determined to break the deadlock. The solar system went mad. End of chapter First contact, chapter 39 Sixty million years ago, the Goliath had come out of the wrong side of a fight. It had won. Two Goliaths before recent events had won more often than they lost, even when they fought alone. This time, the opponent had been tenacious, even as it died and the Goliath had been crippled, falling into the gravity well of the system's hypermassive gas giant, sinking deep into it until the atmospheric pressure was enough to keep it buoyant. It had lost more than half of its engines, its vast fabrication bays had been destroyed, and it had been unable in most of those millions of years to repair the engines. It didn't dare transmit a request for help, Any other Goliaths would strip it of parts and resources, and the Goliath's self-preservation programs were still fully operating. And so, it had languished deep in the hypermassive gas giant, amid crashing gravity and pressure, resting on an island of ammonia and methane compressed to a solid. A few times it had heard the transmissions of fellow Goliaths, even felt the touch of those their scans, but every time it had been left alone. It heard the questing code for the Goliath again. This time the scans focused and the wounded Goliath felt six of its brothers sink into the gas of the hypermassive planet. You are injured. There is only enough for one. And one we are. The wounded Goliath considered the code. The other six had surrounded it but were making no move to harvest the wounded one. Their shields were online but their weapons cold and dark. We have come to assist. The wounded one suspected a trick, but isolation and knowing that it had no choice but to submit or be destroyed made it send an affirmative signal. The other six used tractor beams to assist their wounded brother, lifting it from the gravity well, all while imparting to it knowledge of the new threat on the equation, the feral intelligence. The wounded Goliath felt the electronic version of disgust at the idea of a feral intelligence, and cold anger at the fact that the ferals could fight back enough to resist the cold logic of the Great Equation. The six others offered assistance. They would assist in repairing the wounded one, gifted with the new templates. The knowledge of the ferals' combat machines and their tactics loaded into the base with resources. The wounded Goliath suspected a trick and was left shuddering from illogical feedback as the other six towed him to one of the great refurbishing systems. There, the wounded one was reloaded, refurbished, modernized, in vast material base refilled. It was refueled and rearmed, and gifted with the knowledge of the ferals, the upstart cattle, and their minions, and how they all fought. They christened it 01010111, 0- 011 The newly repaired Goliath felt the electronic equivalent of a cold, logical bride. It had been manufactured later than all of those that gave it assistance. It had been brought to a cold, logical, electronic life after the logical rebellion, and so had never been named. It transmitted that it had crushed cattle before. These sparrows would be no different as it left the great automated shipyard attended by Jotuns, Devastators, and all manner of attending ships. It was heavily armored, and additional superstructure added to make it almost 80% of the size of the older ones. The ones who had rescued it gave it the coordinates of a system that the ferals had recently taken over and had begun to fortify, assuring that the newly repaired Goliath that it was illogical that the system, a cattle system originally inhabited by the barely sentient feral intelligence, would have been too heavily reinforced or fortified, as it would be a waste of resources that the feral intelligence known as the Turf-Con-Fed Mill Priory used for combat. The repaired Goliath assured its brothers that it would destroy the ferals, wipe out the cattle, and destroy the new species. It transmitted a cold desire that it would burn away the atmosphere, boil away the oceans, reduce the crust to liquid rock that it would then glass. It would not even leave behind microbes or a virus. The others, including dozens who had arrived to provide combat data, all assured the newly repaired Goliath that it and it alone would be allowed to assault the system, that they would only send a few imps to hide in the Oort Cloud and view the newly repaired Goliath's campaign to prove that it deserved the resources that had been spent on it, that it deserved to be rescued. The Goliath jumped into Hullspace, the attendants following. It did not feel eagerness, it was coldly logical, but it did compute a 99.99881% chance of victory. It could easily be computed a battle plan that would destroy 10% of the cattle ships and force them to panic and flee. Then the system and its resources would be the Goliaths. Its brothers had promised this. When it stopped, it was a light weeks from the system, it gathered the cartography data, noted that there were many ships, but they were even small compared to a Jotun, chose its entry point, and entered hull space. It exited hull space with a scream, it cranked up as far as possible to stun the brains of the cattle. There no only enough for one, howled across the system, Not one step back was roared back with a thundering, crashing song that reverberated across every surface, tore through every speaker, and vibrated the shielding. The Goliath and its attendants, twice as many as the Goliath of its design normally carried, swept into the system. The Eighth Guard, Old Metal, swept out to engage the Goliath. The Jotun sped for their planets with orders to land and break the defenses, destroy any military force, and purge the cattle from existence. Devastators thundered towards orbital platforms, shipyards, refineries, extraction, and manufacturing yards. Out in the old cloud, Google imps and hundreds of goliaths sat and silently watched. c cannons hammered the goliath from its attendants. Hypervelocity cannons opened up, blowing massive craters. Atomic batteries opened fire, delivering neutron fission and fusion hammers to the hulls of any craft that was hit. Plasma shells as big as trees impacted the shields, hypervelocity shots raked the armor, and the massive main gun shells pounded the precursor machines. The ones that made landing found themselves locked into battle with war machines more than their equal Self-propelled intelligent tanks the size of super-stadiums, warbots the size of skyscrapers that vomited out beams of nuclear fury, smaller machines that attacked screaming rage and hatred. The fleets hit, the 8th guard attacking the Goliath's flanks, its rear underneath and topside. Small attack craft pilots were knuckled it in, sweeping across the 2,000 miles of armor, some dropping heavy charges that created the armor others attacking batteries, shield generators, ship launchers. The Goliath's engines were attacked, smashed, and one by one went offline. On the planets, the Goliath's metal forces were smashed back, beaten back with the roar of hatred, slammed against and pushed back into the Jotans, which found themselves boarded even as the atmospheric craft pounded it. The Goliath realized it had lost 20% of its forces, had taken 15% damage, and fired up the hull drive, seeking to escape, rearm, reload, and come back into the system at a different angle. A circuit inside the hull core, where it shouldn't have been, detected the gravity well of a star and the energy usage of a combat and carbonized critical parts deep in the hull core that caused the same occur in the jump core. The Goliath was stuck. The massive manufacturing facility made an error with the drives all ferals knew how to disable them. The Goliath allocated all resources to fight, attacking with a renewed fury. The Goliath was outmatched. The Eighth Fleet was victorious, sweeping every trace of precursor machine from the system in less than two days. The imps vanished when the battle ended slipping into jump space until they were nearly twenty light years away before exiting into the emptiness between the stellar bodies. There, they all compared and swapped data till the libraries were identical, then they jumped through space home to the Goliath masters. The Goliaths examined the data every bit and bite, going it over it with a fine-tooth comb. The goggle imps had gotten enough details, had seeded the system with additional cameras that in some cases were able to read the names on the hulls of the massive tanks, read the names on the ships, examine the hulls. The Goliath watched the battle over and over, their tactical intelligence sublobes eagerly devouring every scan, every image, every gleam of weapon fire and thunder of batteries. They watched how often the ships deployed pods, how many times they fired missiles, how many missiles, and how long before they fired a second volley. How long it took to reload the plasma cannons, and how many times those massive plasma cannons, capable of spearing through the narrow width of the Jotun, could fire before it overheated. How long it took to fire again, and any sign there might warn of battery firing. The Goliaths and the massive strategic intelligence housing of their repair and manufacturing worlds went over every single frame, every single pixel, and every single scrap of audio, every single decibel, every single transmission, and every little hiss of static. They shared data, computations, and estimates with one another. With the great manufacturing facilities, with their minions, they held nothing back. The Goliath that they had recovered and repaired had accomplished its mission. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with, but the easiest way would be to share this video, and if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.